Hello, this is Pastor John Willingham of Doralstown Presbyterian Church. As our podcast audience continues to grow, I want to thank our loyal listeners and welcome those who may have just recently found us. We know that life can quickly become busy, so this podcast offers an on-the-go opportunity to hear Sunday's sermon, along with the scripture lesson read by that day's lay leader or preacher. We also encourage you to visit our website at dtownpc.org to learn more about our church and all of our diverse ministries. Thank you for tuning in. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silence, and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. Friends, as we gather in this warm and safe space, the images from Ukraine fill our hearts and our minds. The invasion of a sovereign country by Russia is disturbing to us in so many ways. The images of the bombing, of ordinary citizens hiding out in the subway, of people fleeing their homes, of tanks coming down their roads, and of the empty efforts by Vladimir Putin to explain their actions. All of those moments evoke in historians and in some of you who lived during World War II vivid parallels to what happened in the 1930s with Adolf Hitler. It is a deeply distressing time and one where we are not sure what will come next. And yet, as people of faith, we know God is sovereign and that God is able to bring about good from the worst that human beings can do. We also know that prayer changes things and that we are called to stand with compassion with all the hurting ones of creation. And so, even though this sermon that is to come will not speak of those events happening thousands of miles to our east, we gather as people who hold that nation 
in our hearts, praying for peace. Let us do so now. God of all people, all nations, all creation, we know that you are deeply troubled by the events that we have seen in Ukraine this past week. We pray for strength for the citizens of that land, for those who have fled their homes. We pray, O God, for your peace to return and for justice to mark that land once again. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In his book, Who Needs God? Rabbi Harold Kushner tells of the time that his wife and he first visited the Pacific Northwest and went to see Mount Rainier. Upon arriving, they had a park ranger tell them the story of the first white explorers who climbed that summit, something that happened in the late 19th century. And those two men had tried to secure a guide from a local Native American tribe to help them make that climb, and were initially rebuffed, being told that it was sacrilegious to climb that mountain, and that at the top there was a sacred lake filled with fire. The two men continued to offer more money until finally one member of the tribe agreed to take them. But at first, he intentionally took them the wrong path, took them down the valleys away from the climb to the mountain in the hopes of wearing them out. But the two explorers were determined. Finally, they came back to the place that actually would lead them to the summit. And their guide said, I cannot go any further with you. You must now go on your own. And the two did. They reached the peak. They placed a flag in it and took photos of that moment. In recalling that discovery, Kushner said this. Park the park ranger who told us the story thought he was paying tribute to the courage and stubborn determination of two brave men. But the message I heard was a very different one. At one level, I had to admire their achievement, but at another more profound level, I was saddened by their violation of a sacred precinct. Their claiming for humankind what had previously been reserved for God. One of the things modern men and women seem to do best, Kushner said, is to put out sacred fires, extending the domain of humanity and shrinking the domain of God. And I suspect that we are the poorer for it. I thought about his words as I began reflecting on Luke's account of Jesus's transfiguration. For on the day when Three men accompanied Jesus up a different mountain. Those first believers made a better choice. We heard the narrative. 
of that day when Jesus takes James and John and Peter and climbs a mountain. We're not told what mountain it was. They go to a time of prayer, and once they have settled in, Jesus' whole appearance is transformed. His clothes begin to shine brilliantly white. And suddenly, two ancestors in the faith appear with Jesus. Moses, the lawgiver, and Elijah, the great prophet. When Peter sees that assembly, he, he offers to build shelter for the three men, likely hoping that he can make the experience last And instead what happens is this cloud suddenly surrounds the whole group. And from within that cloud, they hear this voice that says, this is my son, my chosen, listen to him. And with that, the cloud dissipates. And it is just Jesus and his disciples again. There are clear parallels between the events of that moment and the one that Galen read for us from centuries before, when Moses received the Ten Commandments. This scene is also described for us in Mark and Matthew's Gospel, but in their accounts, after the cloud has dispersed, Jesus turns to those three men and orders them not to tell anyone of what they have just seen. In Luke's account, There's no mention of Jesus offering that instruction. And instead, we're told that on their own volition, those men kept silent. And in those days, told no one any of the things they had seen. Now, if that silence by those men lasted long, I really would find that hard to believe. Imagine if you could, being one of those individuals and having experienced this moment unlike anything you'd ever witnessed before, surely you would have talked to the other two about it. Knowing what the the Bible tells us as well about the competitive nature of the disciples, I can easily imagine later the other nine hearing about this and being infuriated that they were left out of that moment. Luke doesn't tell us how long they kept that news to themselves. And eventually, they obviously had to tell. Otherwise, we would not have heard of it. And yet, what he does tell us is that for some undetermined period of time afterwards, they didn't discuss what had happened, but instead chose to live with the mystery of what they had just experienced. And I think, That was wise counsel for you and me. For you and I, have these moments along the way that are not easily explained. Perhaps in our case, it's not something that has occurred on a mountain, but rather when we go to the mailbox and we find a letter from a friend that we haven't heard from for years, who just that morning, the thought of them had popped into your mind. Maybe for you, it wasn't in one of those moments when suddenly there's this otherworldly kind of vision, but when you find yourself grieving the death of a loved one and the appearance of a bird or of a blossom 
or of some insect suddenly brings you comfort and peace. Maybe in your case, it's not hearing a voice from the clouds, but rather a word from a stranger or a coworker or neighbor when they're speaking to something happening in your life, the very thing you needed to hear, and they would have had no reason to know it. In every life, there are these moments that occur that are not easily explained. To be sure, there are these unusual circumstances that we can quickly figure out why they happen. The disciples are talking about a different kind of thing. Those sort of moments when what we've experienced is unlike anything we have faced before. And we need to live with the mystery. True story told of a woman named Gladys Johnson who was home one day. Her husband had gone in for a regular annual exam, and she gets this phone call saying he had had a severe heart attack and had been rushed to the hospital. She says later that she doesn't even remember if she hung up her phone. And so she, she gets to the hospital, not wanting to think the worst, and she rushes into the room, and there's all these monitors and beeping going on, and she turns to the nurse and said, what happened? And the nurse said, he had a stroke, and he's not been responsive. She sits down next to the bed, grabs his hand, whispers how much she loves him, and tells him how much she needs for him to get better. And it's at that moment that her husband's doctor stands at the door and says, Mrs. Johnson, what are you doing in here? And she thought it was kind of rude, but she said, well, I'm, I'm praying for my husband. And he said, your husband's in the next room. For, for in her distress and her confusion, she had gone into the wrong room. And she said, oh, I, I feel so badly. I, I, I hope I didn't bother this poor man. And the doctor said, well, he hasn't been responding. I suspect he didn't even hear you. The next day, she comes back to again visit her husband, walks by that same room, and now the bed is empty. And with some hesitation, she asks what happened. And in a response that reveals this clearly was in the days before HIPAA, the doctor says to her, he got better just after you left the room the other day. We're running some tests on him right now, and we think he's going to be okay. He said an angel told him to get better. What do we do with moments like that that can't be easily explained? What do we do with those kinds of occasions when words fail us for what we have just witnessed? Well, we can let others explain it for us. We can decide, well, we must have just simply imagined things and that we were too tired. We can forget about the a particular emotion of the moment and in the years to come, let that memory fade as just one of those odd things that really didn't mean much. And in all of those responses, we could be doing the right thing. And yet on this day, three disciples of long ago lift up those other sorts of moments when our best response 
is to not try to explain it away, not try to put it in sense that makes more sense to us, but rather be willing to live with the mystery for the moment or for years to come. And to do so, knowing that while we may not have seen our transfigured Lord, we may not have heard a voice from the clouds, we may not have seen some ancestor in the faith that we have experienced a gift from God, a blessing that reminds us of the one that we serve, who is more creative and loving than we can ever imagine or explain. Let us pray. We give thanks, O God, for those moments when it is clearly you working in our lives and for those moments when we just aren't sure. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. Once again, I invite you to check out dtownpc.org for information about our worship and programming for all ages.